friends, welcome to the Cedarville Stories Podcast. Today's guest is men's basketball coach, Pat Easta. Enjoy this conversation about basketball and faith at Cedarville University. Thank you, Sarah, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories Podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein. I want to thank you for your faithfulness to listening each week to this podcast. Did you know that we've surpassed 9,500 downloads in just over one year? That's a great accomplishment and it's all because of you. So thanks for listening, and thanks for joining me today on the podcast. Today in the podcast, I'm talking with Pat Eastep. Pat has served as the head coach of the Cedarville Yellow Jackets basketball team for the past 13 years, where he has guided his alma mater to six 20-win seasons, five national tournament appearances, and a pair of National Christian College Athletic Association national championships. Pat, who graduated from Cedarville in 1997, is one of just two NCAA Division II coaches who serve on the National Association of Basketball Coaches Board of Directors. Welcome to the program, Pat. It's great to talk with you today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's uh, basketball season in our country, so it seems like a perfect time to talk with Pat uh, as he's just one day away from tipping off his current season. Pat, as you approach the start of a new season, what are the thoughts and emotions that run through your mind at this time of the year? And do you ever get nervous for a new season? Oh, I'm nervous every year for a new season. I, I think as a coach, you're somewhat wired to, um, you're, you're a problem solver. You always want to fix things. So with that in mind, you're kind of always thinking about all the bad things that can happen. And that's, you know, you think about the good things, you're worried about that or not worried about it, but you're, you're concentrated on what could be each season you start. Um, but you're also trying to jump ahead and find the pitfalls, like what's, what's going to stop us from getting where we would like to be. And doing that, sometimes you create some nerves <laughs> in your mind. Oh, well, what if this happens? What if we lose this guy? What if? And um, you know those things aren't in your control, but I think they're also things that you try to not, you, you don't want to be caught off guard as a head coach. So I think your mind creates that nervousness just from those aspects of it. Um, but there's an excitement too. I mean, we're really excited about this year, uh, the potential for it. Um, this is probably the deepest team that I've had um, in my time here um, as far as talent goes and just the, um, the potential for this team to maybe put a stamp on this season. Um, there's some angst probably just in the uncertainty. You know, we're dealing with what could come and what may happen and the inevitable of probably getting quarantined at some point. So there's a whole lot of factors, but we're, we're really excited about um, what could come and really excited for this group. Um, it's just a fun group to coach, and it's been a lot of fun so far. And we'll get into more about that in a little bit in the podcast. But you touch on the quarantine, and I wanted to go there next, actually, uh, talk about COVID-19, because it's, it's changed everything so far, not just athletically, but you know, in, in, our, in America and in the world. So um, with, with the concern of COVID, um, you're, talk about how your season has changed, and then what are your expectations because of COVID? Does COVID change anything for you? Oh, yeah. Changed a lot of things. Um, it changed how we did things in the preseason. Um, i tell you one thing. One positive of it, I feel like for our guys at least, we have, we have kind of preached a you're never promised tomorrow. And we have a lot of things that have caught, not just COVID. You know, we're going to hit on it here in a minute, but losing a 
former player and all of those aspects of tomorrow's not promised. All you know you have is today. Let's focus on that. Let's let's embrace that. And our guys have really done and it's a hard thing to do for for a young group of guys. You know, when you're dealing with college age people who think tomorrow is always promised, um that's a tough thing to do. And I feel like they've really responded to that. Well, they have not let the burden of what might happen, what could, what they could lose or could gain get take away from the day. And the preseason has been full of just really good days with these guys. So that that's a positive of it. I, I think the challenges are you just, you don't know you're trying to do things obviously for the health and safety of your staff and players, but you're also trying to do things for just not getting quarantined. Um, so how do we, how do we practice? How do we approach, you know, in classes, we've got Cedarville's done a tremendous job in classes and the ability to zoom a class that they can't go. Um, they've really been good, but there's still, you know, we have a record enrollment. So that means there's probably some classes they can't get away from people in. And, um, you know, I think that, the challenge of that and talking with your guys about protecting themselves and um, it, you know, the unfortunate side of we want our guys to be <clears throat> out in the public more. I'm always pushing them. Don't just stay with each other, get out, meet students, do things. And then this year I'm saying, keep your circle tight. Don't be around people. You don't have to be around. Try not to go home every weekend. You know, we didn't get, we're not going to get Thanksgiving. Uh, we didn't get Thanksgiving. So with, at least with families, we're going to do it together. So those are all things that have changed um, right now. And then <clears throat> there'll be more changes that happen during the season, you know, where we're just trying to, um, what do we do in a 14 day quarantine? You know, where do we send them? We send them home. We stay here. What do we, do? you know, there's just a lot of things that we'll have to figure out. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, we're very cautious and careful, I should say, to uh, sanitize our hands, wash our hands, whatever. This is a weird question, but do you sanitize your basketballs before each practice? How do you do that? After practice, uh, Dr. Geist and um, Darren bought a – it's an ultraviolet light that they, they lock the basketballs in the equipment room, lock the doors, turn all the lights off, and put that light on them, and it sanitizes them. So we do that after every workout and practice. Wow. Well, you, you, that's probably something you never thought you'd do in your coaching no. career. No, never thought. Coaching with a mask, I can't stand because I know I have to. Um, I try and get far enough away because the guys can't hear you, you know, and I'm loud. You know that you've been to games, but yeah, it, it is. It's it's still they don't understand you. I don't know how we're going to do this in games where I have to wear a mask and a timeout and try and get them to understand what I'm saying. Um, if it's somewhat loud or even if we don't have too many fans, there might be music playing. So yeah, it's, uh, it's different. Will your players be wearing masks uh, like during game days when they're on the bench? Right now. Yeah, that's, that's the rule. So wow. It's, I, it's, it's wild. <laughs> it is. It is. And it, it's funny because they can practice all week without a mask, but as soon as we go sit on the bench, they have to wear a mask. So, okay. Well, Hey, whatever we, I told the guys at the beginning of the year, wearing a mask is not a hill we're going to die on. All right. We are, we have a lot of bigger um, things at stake. We want this season for a variety of reasons. Um, and if wearing a mask gets us this season, then we're going to wear a mask. And our guys have not fought us on that. It's been really good. Yeah, that's good. 
So I, I should ask, um, how did you get into college coaching or even just coaching basketball? Well, coaching back two two stories there. Um, long, you know, I'll try and make it as short as I can, but um, we all know Don Callen. I think you have a question. You know, we're going to talk about Don here in a minute, but um, I probably would not be sitting here without Don Callen. And I uh, went to University of Kentucky for a year, thought I was done with basketball, started I, – I actually looked at Cedarville when I was a senior in high school, and Coach Callen had offered me a walk-on spot. Um, I decided I wanted to be done with basketball and just go to college. And, you know, I wasn't going to – I wasn't even thinking coaching or teaching or anything at that time. Um, and then I really started missing basketball during the winter. I would go back and watch my younger brother play high school ball um, and just really missed it. My dad happened to run into Coach Callen at a Cedarville Shawnee State game. Um, and I had only met Coach Callen once um, prior to that. But Jeff Bradley, who played at Cedarville, I played with him in high school. He talked to Don a lot about me, I think. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> he ran into Coach Callen. Coach Callen just asked him how I was doing. Um, he didn't really know me. Um, and he said, you know, it's funny you ask. He's really missing basketball. And Coach Callen's words were, well, he needs to transfer to Cedarville. So, so anyway, long story short, I ended up transferring. Um, and back in those days, I didn't send my paperwork. I didn't decide to transfer until late. And in the early night, well, mid nineties in Cedarville, if you didn't get your stuff in on time, there was a wait list to get in. Um, so I got on that wait list when I transferred, spent a semester at Shawnee state, living at home. And during that time I helped coach a junior high basketball team and I didn't start Cedarville. We were on quarters back then until January. So I started coaching a junior high basketball team at my high school. Absolutely loved it. I mean, it was just, it was one of those things that you I did it, and I thought, this is what I'm meant to do. So get to store, get to uh, Cedarville, long story short. Um, decided to change my major. Thought I was going to go into athletic training. Walk into Coach Callen's office, and he says, I always thought you'd be a coach. And it just right at that moment, I was like, you know what, that's what I want to do. My dad was a high school basketball coach for 27 years. I grew up in the gym, been around the game my whole life. Um, and then – Thought I would just end up being a high school coach. Um, end up getting a call from Coach Slagle to be the first full-time assistant here. Didn't even know him. Um, coach Callen actually vouched for me. Um, and God opened that door up that I didn't deserve at the time. And uh, I heard somebody say one time, you're, you feel like you're a turtle on a fence post. You don't know how you got there, but you're there. And kind of my who I am and how I got here. So. Well, Coach Callen, obviously, we'll talk about that now, um, obviously had a big impact on your professional career, but I think he's also had a big influence spiritually for you. Can you elaborate into that? Yeah, when I played JV here, um, he always took, back in those days, we could go on a mission trip every year, and we went to the Philippines. So after my first year here at Cedarville, that summer in 90, 1995, I went to the Philippines <clears throat> with Coach Callen. And um, some of my best friends to this day, um, names that Cedarville people know, like Brent Miller, who's a pastor in Columbus, um, Tim Ware, whose dad's Charles Ware, um, Greg Walker. Um, we all went to the Philippines and uh, spent five weeks there. We played 30 games in five weeks. We played three games the first day we got there. We got to the place we were going at 4 a.m. First game was at 8 a.m. And we had three games that day. <laughs> um, 
but that that trip really shaped my life i think in a lot of ways and seeing if you've ever been on been on a missions trip with coach callan um there is if there's a man led by the spirit at a time in his life it's coach callan on a missions trip there's a lot of times you don't know where you're going or how you're getting there uh, but th- but you get there and just seeing his faith and his passion for people and the gospel on that trip was huge for me um and he has stayed in my life that's you know the reason we started when i became the head coach the callan classic was because of the impact that he and nedra have had on my life and the encouragement they've been um, the faithful enough faithfulness i've witnessed in his life and continue to witness and just routinely pops into the office and just love to talk with him um i cherish those days because you never know you know we lost nedra um, a year ago, and you just you don't know how long you have with them, and those are days that I uh, that I love when I get to spend time with him. Yeah, he's a wonderful man. I, I'll briefly yeah. share that uh, the two people I've known the longest at Cedarville been about thirty years, and Coach Callen's one, and then Mark Womack's the other, and that's from my years either either at Mount Vernon as or, or Geneva, and I was an opponent to them, so. Um, yep. But uh, now we're on the same side, and it's it's great. So yeah. uh, you mentioned the gospel, uh, that uh, it's a passion of, of Coach Callen. It's also uh, a passion for you, too. Obviously, on the court, you want to win. Uh, there's no substitute for winning. But basketball is more than just a game to you. How do you intersect your faith with basketball? Well, we, we talk about those things with our guys. Obviously, Cedarville is a great place to do that um i think it's one of the best in the country uh, as far as being able to do that balance have that balance of uh, we have sports we have academics and we have our spiritual component that is um here a high priority and we talked to you know we have a recruit on a visit today and we're talking about how that drives what we do um we just had a conversation with our guys in a locker room uh, a couple days ago and we have core values that we want to be staples of our program. And I hope when people watch us, they see them. I hope they see young men who are selfless. They're, you know, when they, even when they play, they can see it. They see guys who are willing to pass the ball and maybe not play as much for their teammate or whatever. Um, we talk about perseverance. We talk about integrity. We talk about unity. I, I think sometimes unity, if there's ever a day <laughs> that we need more of it, and it was always the mark of believers. Now they had a, they were unified around the gospel, but they had unity. That's how you knew who believers were in the New Testament. Um, and we have kind of lost that in our country, and we want them to see that on our team. Um, and then we want to be thankful. We want to be grateful for the things we have. So we talk about those things in terms of our core values and how they may shape a season or a team, um, and give you the ability to win but ultimately for us they're gospel driven things and we want them to define who we are for life i want our guys to be husbands and fathers and co-workers who have integrity who persevere through adversity they're not they don't just give up walk away and quit at the first sign of adversity um and we've been through our share in the basketball court and and you know, we want them to have unity. We want them to know how to foster unity where they live, where they work, who, with their family, in their church. Um, we want them to be thankful for the things they have. We want them to be selfless. And I always tell them all the time, hey, if you can learn these things on a basketball court where the stakes are a win or a loss, great. 
you know, if you learn those things where the stakes are low so that when you leave here and the stakes are high, you don't have to learn them the hard way. And your parent, your church, your family, your wife, your kids don't have to pay the price because you don't get those things yet. That's, that's ultimately what we want to be about. That's fabulous. And uh, when you talk about unity, my mind goes to love. I, I think we're a generation, we're a world that we don't love people well. And yeah. we, we, we're critical, we're judgmental. We need, to, we need to learn to love each other. So typically a basketball season is pretty long. <clears throat> this year, maybe yeah. not so much. But still, in a typical year, how do you stay sharp spiritually? Because you're, you're practicing, you're on the road traveling a lot. How do you stay sharp spiritually? Um, I, I try to get in the word early in the morning if I can. That's that's one of my things. Um, I'm fortunate to have a small group at our church. Um, obviously, we get a church, but our small group has been a big help. And then I have some men in my life that um, I wish I got to live with. You know, unfortunately, I don't. But my brother, he's a pastor. I talk to him a lot. Uh, Brent Miller was my college roommate as a pastor up in Columbus. Talk to him a lot. Um, guys, Scott Dixon, other guys on campus, like just men that I can always go to if I need to. And um, those those guys have been a huge, huge asset. Um, and even even our guys, you know, I love being around them. They they recharge you, and you start to hear um, stories of their growth and see them say or hear them say things or see things in their life where you're like, man, they're starting to get it. That that's a that charges you spiritually, I think, as well. But it can be tough, um, because a lot of hours on the road, maybe recruiting or different things, and you start to get wore down and um, those are things that we have to, you know, make sure that they're on the forefront of what we're about. So Yeah. As um, people are listening to the podcast, they probably say, oh, Pat has the best job in the country because he gets to coach basketball at a Christian college. But even at a Christian university, even like Cedarville, there are always challenges that you face. What, what are some of the challenges that you face just because it is a Christian college where we work? Yeah, um, I, it is a great job. And it's been one of, it's been a dream job. Um, I love Cedarville. I have two degrees from here. My brother and sister went here. Um, so to work at a place like this is special. Um, and I, I don't, I don't, um, discount that. I, I think we all know in this, this day and age, you got to do more with less. Um, so the financial burden of, you know, some days I feel like I work for advancement more than I work for athletics. <laughs> I'm just trying to raise money and cause I want to operate at a high level. You know, I don't know if you can see it or not, but on my wall every day I walk in here and I have a quote that, I want this program to be about, and we want to dream more than others think is practical and expect more than others think is possible. Um, Sometimes you work at places like this and you feel like, um, well, I don't know if you can win big there. Well, we think you can. And we have when when we were in AI and now we're trying to do it again. And I think we have a chance this year um, to do that over the next couple of years. But, you know, I I think you always are dealing with financial challenges. How can we how can we get where we need to be um, and not just dump our problems in the lap of the university? You know, how do I come alongside and help with that? Um, try, you know, you're, you gotta, you're, your recruiting pool is somewhat restricted. So of who can get into Cedarville? It's high academic. Uh, you got to be a Christian to get in here. Um, you got to want what Cedarville wants. 
Um, and I tell our guys all the time, you know, we have guys at different levels in their faith. We have, we, we want to be on this road that everybody is not walking side by side on, but we all want to be heading in the same direction. And that's how we approach recruiting. Uh, we want to be about discipleship because we know maybe guys aren't for as far along as some others. Um, so I, I think your recruiting pool is somewhat restricted. Um, and there, this is a double-edged sword. We got a lot of great kids, uh, a lot of great players. and come from tremendous families, but in reality, life has been relatively easy for most of us, including myself. So one of my biggest jobs, I feel like, is to make them tougher when they leave here, make them a little more of a fighter and persevere. And um, those things are hard to, you know, our, our guys have bought into that, but um, it doesn't, you know, you don't learn to persevere when times are easy. You got to learn through it. tough. And um, so, you know, I think those are some of the challenges. Every job has its own challenges, um, but those are probably some of the ones we deal with the most here. Yeah. Now, I know of one challenge just recently in the, in the past year that you had to walk through probably the hardest, maybe one of the hardest challenges in your coaching career where you uh, attended a funeral of one of your former players. I think it's the first time that one of your former players actually passed away. What was that situation like for you and the team? It was really hard. Um, you know, my team didn't know him as as well. Some of the older guys did. Um, obviously, we stay in contact with as many guys as we can, um, and that was that was really tough. Your heart just breaks for his family. He was a young, you know, uh, young guy, fireman in in West Virginia. Um, you know, you just break. It was hard to walk into that funeral and give his mom and dad a hug and hand his mom his two jerseys, you know, that he wore here for his boys. Um, it, it was really hard. And it just hurt for his family, his young kids who are going to experience him. He was a very loving, kind, had a big heart. Um, Jason was just – he was wired that way, you know. And even when he was here, um, we do camps or go do a min- inner city ministry at Springfield schools he just lit up when he was around kids that were hurting. Um, and that, that was, that was really tough. And it's still tough. You know, I talked to our guys about that the other day in the locker room. Um, there are just a lot of challenges that come in life and you look back on and that, that was a, that was a big one. Is there anything from that situation that you can draw upon and use for this season to help make your players tougher? And as you just recently outlined, yeah, I, I think you, you, you want, I mean, for us, it's been tomorrow isn't promised. They know that um, in their head. I don't know that we all know that in our heart. And that was the biggest reminder when we went through that losing Jason is you don't know what tomorrow holds. And for some of you, um, life's going to get a lot tougher when you leave here. You know, the, you don't, when you have a, when you have a close knit team, those days are some of the best of your life. Um, obviously you love having kids and being a parent and all those things, but the brotherhood you have without a lot of distractions with 12 to 15 guys in a locker room, all kind of heading the same direction. Those things don't happen that way for the rest of your life. So just, I think the ability to kind of show them, Hey, let's cherish this. Let's, let's grow in this, but we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold and just hold on to that this year and just enjoy each day. Yeah, that's a lesson uh, 
that we all can learn. I, I know as a person who's just a few years older than those players, your players, <laughs> I still struggle with, you know, I think like, I think what, what I'm going to do tomorrow or the next day, and it's not guaranteed. And you need to live each day to, to the fullest for, for God's glory. I'm interested in going back to your early years, hearing from you about your spiritual journey. How and when did you um, first meet Jesus? And can you walk us through that journey? Yeah, I was. Uh, I grew up um, in the Methodist church, went to a small little church with my parents. My, my grandparents went there. Um, and <clears throat> when I got into junior high, I think it was eighth grade, we went to a, I don't know any other way. It, it's a, it's an outdoor concert. I think you, because of your background know about it, but Ichthus down at Asbury college. And I was there, it was back in the uh, heyday of DC talk and some of those groups. And we heard a comedian actually, um, who, uh, what was his name? Pat, uh, where his last name? Um, anyway, he, he did his show or whatever, and then presented the gospel at the end of it. And I remember sitting on a blanket in the field with probably 30,000 other people out there. Um, and realizing at that point, like I, I cannot live on my parents' faith anymore. I need to make this my own. So that was a point in my life where I trusted Christ. I think coming to Cedarville was the point in my life where it became, I had to really own my faith and. I grew from chapel, the leadership of the people here that really impacted me, you know, in our department, even guys like John McGilvery, Don Callen, Kathy Freese, Teresa Clark, um, just people who really poured into me. And then my roommates, you know, I was blessed. My roommate uh, for two years was uh, Brent Miller, who is a pastor up in Columbus. He's my best friend. And then uh, my other roommate, my senior year, who was a former JV player with me, and just a great fin- friend as a missionary in London, England. His name was Kyle McKinn. Um, and then another roommate of ours was another pastor. So those three guys really poured into me in my junior, senior year through Bible studies and things. And then just, you know, growth in a church. I, we, we moved to Cedarville. We, we were part of Southgate Baptist for a long time. And Eric Mounts still to this day will go to war for me if I need it he is still in a lot of ways, my pastor, like he just, he, he is, a, he really has taken an interest in investment in my family and our life and um, still stay in touch with him. I, I want to ask you two final questions. Um, one's kind of more nostalgic. So as you, as you think back to your years as head coach at Cedarville, can you point to a moment that you feel was the most satisfying it doesn't have, doesn't have to be a win. It could be something else. But what comes to mind when you think back of your most satisfying moment as head coach at Cedarville? I don't know if it was that. It was actually comes from an unsatisfying moment. But I think seeing God's hand in a game, um, you know, obviously, you know, even, even the NCCA winning those national championships was fun. Just winning your last game is fun. Uh, and that was, sad. that was actually the first one of the you know, really big. And then the second one with those young guys, it's a lot of fun. But this game in particular, it was my second year as a head coach where Branson, my wife is nine months pregnant. Um, I leave, she writes me a note um, just saying like, I'm trusting God. I think she lied through it. She was scared out of her mind because her due date was the week after Branson. She could have had the baby at any time. It was our daughter. Um, So during that time, I thought up until we left, 
I had a flight. Uh, I had a friend who, who had some NetJet miles that if I needed them to get out of Branson quick to get home for our daughter's birth, I could. Well, we, uh, we have a team that could win a national championship that year. We were, I, I, we were top 10 in the country. We were loaded. Um, and we, get, we win our first round game play really well. We get to the second round game and it's on a Friday. Um, and it is back and forth with a team that ends up going to the final four. Um, we have a shot at the buzzer that just rims out. And when I walk out of the locker room, not knowing what's coming into the next day, but I walk out of the locker room, we're devastated because we know, you know, Branson, if you were in the top 10, you had a shot to win it. You just, you just, it just, you just had to get hot again. And when I walked out of the locker room, our host said, man, it just looked like somebody knocked – it just wasn't meant to be. It looked like someone knocked that ball out of there. And and so I'm like, yeah, I know. And the next day we're flying home, and my wife calls me. We have a layover in Atlanta. She says, I think I'm in labor. And I was like, okay. She said, but you got time. This is our third baby. You got time. That's fine. So we have a two-hour layover in Atlanta. Um, when I get ready to get on the plane, she says, I'm going to the hospital and my college roommate, Brent Miller, his wife is going to pick me up. Brent's going to pick you up and meet me at the hospital. And so I have got an hour flight from Atlanta home. I'm freaking out. I don't know what's, I don't know land and I got a baby. We don't know what's going on. Um, he picks me up, but they let me off the plane first. I get to the, uh, hospital and about 40 minutes later, she has our little girl. Um, and just the most satisfying, even though it was a devastating loss, we knew we had a shot. The satisfaction of seeing God's hand in all of that, orchestrating that to get me home, to be with her when she had our daughter was probably the most satisfying moment. Yeah, that's a great, it should be the most satisfying. That's just a great story and uh, one you'll never forget. So my, my last question, Pat, is uh, right now, what's, what's the Lord teaching you as you prepare, as you're ready to tip off your your basketball season tomorrow night. What, what's the Lord teaching you right now? I, I think what we have it's taught me a lot over my career as a head coach. I have, it's hard when you start to not make it about you. You're trying to carve your path or, you know, carve your way, whatever. And I think I have learned to make this more about the players. It's, we've already addressed it two or three times, but it is just that don't think, don't, ex, you know, we're, we learned it on our campus this week. Just embrace the day, the people, the journey you're on with them, and don't get caught up in what's coming down the road or whether or not we're going to have a basketball season or whatever that is, or if we're going to get quarantined, when we're going to get quarantined. Those things can't dominate our thoughts. It is let's enjoy this moment we have with 15 guys or with my wife and kids that I may not have this day again. And just embrace that, enjoy that day, um, and live in the hope that we have that God's got all this, whatever it is, COVID, elections, it doesn't matter. So Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, when I hear you say that, I, I boil it down to live in the moment and live for Jesus, yeah. and everything else will be great. So, Pat, thanks for your uh, time uh, joining me on the podcast. I, I hope you have a great season. I hope you win all your games and uh, bring national championship back to Cedarville. Um, but uh, if that doesn't happen, uh, continue to uh, teach your players well. 
um, not just basketball, but life and, and life with Jesus. So thanks again for joining me today. Thank you. <laughs> we do too. Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories Podcast, brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.